Hi there, welcome to the meeting. I'm your host, Luba, and in this season, I'm talking to professionals across industries and functions on the impact of coronavirus on their day-to-day lives. In this episode, I'm talking to Flo Monnier, a senior recruiter at Airbnb. Flo gives amazing tips for what to pay attention to during your job search, how to look for a job during the pandemic, how the industry has changed and will change, what is the difference between working with a recruiting agency and an in-house recruiting, and a lot more. For anyone who is looking to up their interviewing skills, know more about the recruiting game, are, is looking for a job right now or generally will be looking for a job, I would highly, highly recommend listening to this conversation. Hi, Flo. Hi, good morning. How are you doing today? Doing well. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. Well, we have a very uh, jam-packed session conversation today. I know with respect to your background, you spent a few years in a recruiting agency first, and then mm-hmm. you became an in-house recruiter, uh, and you, you've been at Airbnb, working at Airbnb for the last few years. I'm really curious, from the candidate perspective, what is the difference uh, in working with an agency recruiter versus an in-house recruiter at a company? Yeah, great question. Um, Agency versus in-house recruiting is pretty different just given the company that you're working with. Um, With agency recruiting, you are typically working with a bunch of different companies at the same time. So, um, for example, when I was at Betts recruiting, um, a candidate would come to us looking for a job and I might send them to interview at 5, 10, um, you know, 20 different companies depending on what roles were open versus an in-house recruiter where you're really only working with that one company. So for example, right now I'm only hiring for Airbnb. Um, There might be candidates that could be a fit for a few different roles within the company, um, but they are only roles within Airbnb um, and I'm kind of matching their expertise to the right team versus with an agency you might be, um, matching somebody's background with different companies, companies. and what they need. Mm-hmm. From, the, from the perspective of someone who's applying, do you recommend them to work with agency recruiters or with in-house recruiters? Like, what is the actual experience like? Is there any difference or, you know, both parties are nice and have the candidate interest yeah. as their priority? Absolutely. Um, I think it depends on what you're looking for. Um, I can speak to my own personal agency experience. I was mm-hmm. at a recruiting agency called Bets Recruiting, where they work with revenue generating roles. So mm-hmm. that's sales, marketing, um, account management, customer success, positions like that. And then, you know, from very junior level entry sales positions all the way up to senior mm-hmm. level director roles. Um, for that type of position, If you're looking for a smaller startup, a company that might not have their own internal recruiting department yet, Mm -hmm. then, you know, series A, series B, sometimes series C companies, I would definitely look look at the agency route. Mm -hmm. Um, Those companies use agencies instead of having their own internal recruiting. Um, Bigger companies like Airbnb, for example, have huge recruiting organizations. I think at this point worldwide, we have... 250. Oh, wow. I didn't know Um, that. Yeah. So depending on if you're looking for 
um, you know, a role within a bigger company, that mm -hmm. entire recruiting department is mm -hmm. working to hire just for Airbnb. So I think it really often depends on the size of company that you're excited about yeah. um, and, and where you'd like to put your, your efforts. And do you as a candidate pay uh, the recruiter from an agency to represent you or because I've seen in tech, the model usually is the company pays a percentage of the yearly salary to the recruiting agency uh, because, you know, from the perspective of especially now from a perspective of a candidate, if you, uh, let's say, ended up in a position where you were laid off or you are just looking for new opportunities, it sounds quite awesome that, you know, you kind of have this recruiting agent that will scout opportunities for you and will look for something for you, but you know, not everyone can afford paying for these services if like Absolutely. it is on the candidate. Yeah, I think that's a common misconception for recruiting agencies. Um, and I think it deters a lot of people from using them thinking, mm -hmm. oh, I don't have the funds to pay for this right now. You know, I'm job searching. There's a global pandemic. Why would I pay? Yeah. You know, how could I afford to do this? Most agencies that I know of in the Bay Area are contingency based, meaning mm -hmm. um, exactly what you said. The company is paying the agency um, based on when a candidate joins and is placed there. So Got the actual candidate is not paying any money out of pocket. Um, they are, you know, able to work with the agency and the only way that the agency does end up making a profit is if that person is placed there mm -hmm. and often stays for, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, whatever the contract has set right. up. So it's basically like a talent manager. It's, it's like in the, it's in the interest of the recruiter to represent, um, the mm -hmm. candidate in a positive light to the company because that's how they end up being paid. Right? Exactly. It's also you know, in the interest of the recruiter and the candidate to really get to know each other and form a real trust between the mm -hmm. two of them. Um, if you get a good recruiter and you're working with somebody who you feel really has your best interest mm -hmm. in mind, I think it's a great way to learn about yourself, the way that you interview, um, how to best highlight your strengths and weaknesses. So I think using a, a recruiting agency or really, if you're working with an internal recruiter, leaning on them for advice mm -hmm. um, can really help you in the job search process. Interesting. And as a recruiter, like what are some ways that you like candidates trying to establish that relationship with you? Like, how yeah. does it work? I think one thing that might, again, be a misconception is that I think recruiters really do have the interest of the candidate in mind. Um, and if they're working internally, the interest of their team and their company in mind. So they, their goal, similar to an agency recruiter, mm -hmm. is to place somebody in that position who might be the best fit. Um, that being said, you know, the advice that a recruiter gives somebody in how to prepare for the interview or, you know, what to look up before or what, if it's a coding interview, what to practice, um, yeah. you know, what the personality of the managers might be like, um, we're giving that advice because we really do want you to do well. We want mm -hmm. you to join the company. You know, our goal is the same. So I think knowing that as a candidate, as you come in, um, that the recruiter really is on your side. They want to give you the best experience. Mm -hmm. They want to have you join the company. They want you to be excited about the financial offer. Um, really allows you to break down the wall so that you can trust each other and work well together towards that, the same goal. 
Yeah, and I totally agree that it, it is quite a misconception because I see a lot of people, you know, just kind of thinking that, oh, a recruiter doesn't have their interest in mind. They only mm-hmm. have the company's interest in mind. They try to lowball you. They try to do this. They try to do that. Whereas in reality, you know, all my experiences with working with recruiters have been like this two-sided relationship where we're both trying to like, you know, build trust and uh build a relationship that benefits both of us. But I do agree that that's something that uh, people should get over that barrier mm-hmm. that, hey, actually, this is a person on the other side that is trying to help you and try to, you know, build that relationship and trust. So I think that's a really great point. Exactly. And one more thing to add there is whether it's an agency or a, you know, internal company that you're working with, the recruiter will know the behind the scenes of where you will be the best fit. So say you interview for a certain role and you don't get it, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that the door is closed forever. What it might mean is the recruiter, you know, remembers, okay, they had these certain skills and when a new role opens up, they're going to be the first yeah. person that I call to think of because they have that special skill set. Yeah. Or um, with an agency, if one company doesn't work out, typically the recruiter will be working with 10, 20 other companies. So they might shift you to the next place. Um, and in that situation, they really will be, you know, looking to give you feedback, um, mm-hmm. helping you through the process. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to, to share that too. Makes sense. I want to talk a bit more about the actual uh, interview process. Couple of questions. What does a candidate interview process in tech generally? I know that it's very broad across roles, but generally, what does it look like? And have you seen it change over the years? <laughs> and is it in flux to change into, to, you know, evolve into something different than it is right now from your yeah. experience? Great question. Um, so I've worked with non-technical as well as technical mm-hmm. roles, but the process is still pretty similar. Mm-hmm. I would say most companies will start with a phone screen, whether it's with a recruiter or with a hiring manager, just to get to know you a bit more, you know, an overview of your background. You might do a resume walkthrough, tell people a little bit more about your background there. And then um, the next step might be for the technical route, Um, a technical phone screen or, um, you know, a simple coding problem to kind of make sure you have the fundamentals before we move to the next step. For a more revenue generating role, it might be a conversation with the hiring manager or a team member um, who can get an overview, dive a little bit deeper into your specific skill set enough to have the confidence to say, okay, we're ready to invest time to bring this person on site. On-site interviews are really vary between the companies. So some companies break it up into multiple days. Some companies will have you, you know, create a project. Um, for technical interviews, you're probably going to be going through a few working sessions where yeah. you're doing live coding and live architecture. You know, data science interviews are going to be different. So I would say in that perspective, as you're getting ready for the on-site interview, you really want to lean on the recruiter to figure out mm-hmm. how to prepare. Mm-hmm. Um And then from there, it's typically um, the decision point. So after an onsite interview, the company, the recruiter and the hiring managers will sit together and think through, you know, all of the candidates that came on site, see who might be the best fit. And at that point, look to extend um, Mm -hmm. extend the offer. Uh, Are there any commonly shared or maybe your personal uh, red flags that you can share across candidates? Like something that's, you know, as soon as you like jump on a call with the candidate, you're like, no, this is not happening. Or like some commonly shared things that recruiters are looking for, for the candidate to not to have. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. I'm always surprised um, because (laughs) 
I, I think that a lot of candidates think they can wing it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they'll come in, they'll, agree, say, yeah. they'll say, oh, I got a call with the recruiter and ready to go. I don't need to prepare. Like, I know Airbnb, I use it all the time, but that doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean that they have gone onto our website and checked out our mission and values that they really understand, you know, what we're working towards as a company, what the newest mm-hmm. updates are, what specific teams do. So I think we can really tell when you haven't prepared. Um, and it feels, you know, it can feel like a waste of time for both the recruiter yeah. and the candidate. So I would say if you're interested in a company, you know, apply, you don't have to know a ton about it before if you're mm-hmm. re- if you're wanting to just apply to a bunch of places. But by the time you get to the, the interview, I would say it's really worth doing your homework, um, having a list of questions that you want to ask, mm-hmm. um, filling up that time with the recruiter or with the hiring manager because they will be clear if you have not done that that homework. Yeah, you basically want to be thoughtful and you want to make sure that it's clear to the other party that you've done your homework, as you said. But Absolutely. I don't- yeah, I totally agree with you that especially in the technical roles in, in the Bay Area, I feel like people are like, oh, you know, it's just a recruiter interview, like whatever, it's just going to be mm-hmm. a phone chat. It really doesn't matter because I have like, I don't know, I went to a top school and then I like worked at Facebook or something like right. that and they really don't care. But uh, I'm sure that from like the other party, from your perspective, that really probably shows and uh, you might block someone on that step. Exactly. And I can see someone just put the comment mission statement. Absolutely. I mean, especially for a company like Airbnb or um, companies that are very mission driven, -driven, understanding the values of that company, why we're doing the work that we're doing, especially, you know, for example, right now, a travel company in the middle of a global pandemic, that's a place we want to know that you're really driven by the mission and you're really mm-hmm. passionate about what we're doing because things can get hard. There can be roadblocks. So I would say we definitely want to hire people who are excited about that type of work. That makes sense. Yeah. Mission driven, uh, mission driven company trend, I think is very powerful and also mm-hmm. very interesting from just a business perspective <clears throat> and from employee and employer perspective. I'm curious, you know, you've worked at um, a bunch of, you've recruited for, I'm sure a lot of different companies since you've worked at an agency as well. Um, is this, is there a, like, have you mostly seen companies be very, very bullish and uh, screening candidates on the mission? Is it like a, um, a certain company industry trend or is it just a trend that the whole industry and companies overall are moving towards? Because even from the consumer behavior, we're seeing that mission is very important. Like I either stand mm-hmm. by it or I don't. So companies yeah. are trying to you know, make a stance and a statement. But yeah, yeah what, what has your experience been and what have you seen? That's a great question. You know, as I said, as I worked at a smaller agency before we were working with some very small companies. You might be hired as the very first salesperson Mm -hmm. or the first customer success manager, um, the first account manager. You know, you're working with early customers in that situation. No matter what the company is doing, they definitely want you to be bought into the mission because you're interacting with the very first clients that a customer is going to be having. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would say it's, it is definitely a trend um, to know exactly what um, a company is doing (laughs) and why they're doing it. Um, Especially, you know, as tech companies are becoming more and more saturated. Um, If you're interviewing at Uber and Lyft, for example, Mm -hmm, product mm -hmm. is essentially the same. Um, It's basically like a 
a nicer version of a taxi. Um, it's not even really the sexiest product if you think about it, but if you're having a conversation about with somebody about the differences between Uber and Lyft, um, <clears throat> the mission might come up, you know, the value of the company might come up. So I would say, um, I think it is becoming increasingly important for that mm -hmm. to be something that you do your homework on. Yeah, that makes sense. What are, um, what are the things that you're looking for in an application? Like what makes a great application, no matter the role? Um, when I review resumes or when I'm chatting with a candidate for the first mm -hmm. time, I typically start at the bottom to get an understanding of somebody's educational background, um, sort of start from the beginning of their professional career and look at the progression over time. So how do they, how do they get to where they are today? Um, is it logical? Um, does it make sense why they went from one place to the next? You know, where can I see their skill set, skill mm -hmm. sets grow over time? Um, I think tenure is often important. You know, if you've seen an application where somebody has bounced around a lot, mm -hmm. um, that's not necessarily going to deter someone or deter a recruiter, but I think it would be a question that they might ask on the phone. I have just a very quick question about that. Would you say, are, are you, uh, I'm not trying to say that recruiting is biased by, by any means, but do you think there is a bias towards, you know, technical roles bouncing versus like non-technical roles? Because in engineering, for instance, you see people like working for a year in one company and then jumping off to another company. I'm just curious. It, it seems yeah. like a very uh, standard thing to do. And I feel like it's not being questioned anymore, but I wonder if that's a bias in terms of engineering, like for engineers, it's okay. But if you're like not in a technical role, it's, it's looked down upon. That's a good question. Again, I think so long as you can explain why mm -hmm. um, you're making those moves, that's going to be most important to the recruiter and for the hiring manager to understand. So say um, you were brought on to work on a certain project at, a, at one company, the project ended, you finished yeah. it, you kind of learned what you needed to learn there, and then you moved on to the next one. Very logical explanation. Um, if, you know, the candidate is explaining oh, they just didn't like working there. Um, mm. You know, they're, they're maybe giving some excuses of, of why it didn't work out and then just bouncing from place to place. That might, yeah. that might be a little bit of a red flag to think about, huh, like did they not, were they not up for the challenge? Did they not mm -hmm. sink their teeth in? How are they working to improve their own, you know, personal skill set yeah. to move on to the next place? So again, I think, um, again, pointing out why the conversation with the recruiter might be really important at the beginning um, so that we can understand what is the story that you're creating. Um, yeah. And maybe help you out with the story as well, right? On how exactly. to talk to it about it to yeah. other parties in the interview. And agency recruiters often help candidates formulate that story. Mm -hmm. um, so if somebody was laid off multiple times in a row or does have a really bouncy um, background, an agency recruiter or a recruiter might help that person figure out a way to best tell that story to um, a hiring manager. Interesting. Got it. Um, I want to talk a bit, a bit mm -hmm. about the what's happening right now, the pandemic, you know, in the light of uh, the global pandemic that is still mm -hmm. ongoing. We're still in the lockdown uh, here in the Bay Area and just around the U.S. and in a lot of places in the world. Unfortunately, a ton of people have already been laid off. 
Uh, probably a lot of people will be laid off in the next, I don't know, couple of weeks. You know, every mm-hmm. Thursday they file unemployment. And tech is not an exception, unfortunately, right. even though we've always been this like blossoming fancy, <laughs> fancy industry. Um, how do you think uh, job search will look like after this is all over? And how has maybe it already changed from what you're seeing just on LinkedIn yeah. and the industry, et cetera? Yeah, um, it is definitely a unique time in history. Hopefully, hopefully the only time that our generation will will go through something like this. And as you mentioned, the tech world is is definitely not excused. Um, there are layoffs happening all over the place, and I think part of what's making this time unique is that is almost a more common situation. So I know that you know the first thing that when you open LinkedIn on one of the sidebar, it mm-hmm. shares who's hiring right now. You know, there's tons of lists circulating. Um, I know that there's a website that I've shared with a few personal connections called Candor. Mm. um, That's a running list of, you know, who's hiring, what companies um, might have a hiring freeze, you Mm. know, which companies are hiring. Um, I've also noticed a lot of people posting on LinkedIn very Mm -hmm. openly and being super vulnerable and saying, Hey, I got laid off. Um, here's what my skill set is. This is what I'm looking for. Just sharing that information I think is becoming more, more and more common. Um, and I do think unfortunately it will be a really tough market to job search in. Um, a lot of companies are not only letting people go, but they're also freezing hiring right now just to save cost. Um, they might continue to do that for a while, but that doesn't yeah. mean that there aren't places that are actively looking. So I think just being really savvy about where you're applying um, will be key right now. So basically what you're saying is that you shouldn't, like if you got laid off or let's say, let's say you were, um, you were actually just looking to join a different company and bam, like pandemic happened. You, what I'm hearing from you is that you shouldn't be really, you know, waiting and out. If you don't want to, you can still actively search. You just need mm-hmm. to be smart about the resources that you use and apply to companies that are not like frozen for have frozen their hiring or that mm-hmm. uh, didn't start laying people off. Am I understanding it correctly? Yeah, I would say continue to job search. Um, absolutely. There will be places that are hiring in the meantime, if you are, um, if you were let go and you're looking for first work in the meantime, there's companies like, um, Upwork where there's mm-hmm. remote work that you can do. Um, there's tons of classes online that are free right now. Maybe you want to build up your Excel spreadsheet skills mm-hmm. or you want to practice coding problems because you know when you do start interviewing, you haven't done those in a while or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Use your time wisely. But I do think um, you know, being really thoughtful about where you apply and making sure that you're networking, um, mm-hmm. asking friends who work at those companies, um, sharing on LinkedIn, looking in in strategic places versus just um, waiting it out would be the right thing to do. That makes sense. I have um, quite a few international folks in my audience and I saw a couple of questions around, you know, just Mm -hmm. uh, people that are not necessarily in the U.S., but want to get to the U.S. I'm sure you've seen a ton of different resumes of people that might not have gone to school in the U.S., might Mm -hmm. not be in the U.S. currently, but are applying for roles at the U.S. companies. Uh, What are the chances usually and like how is an international 
person different than uh, like a local person from the lens that you're taking on it? And how, um, how should people who are not uh, on the ground focus on like those um, job search? Yeah, job search, like networking, etc. That's a great question that also might be really company specific. Um, I don't know if I can fully answer that. Just think, just given what companies are hiring for, it, it will be a really unique time to join internationally. Um, I know that right now, for example, Airbnb does have candidates who are, who are still starting, who accepted jobs um, a couple months ago, um, who might be on um, international visas. Mm-hmm. And they likely signed before this um, pandemic began. Um, Moving forward, I think it will be really important for those candidates to highlight specialized skills that they have um, that they can bring to that position. So any way that they can show on their resume um, really specific skill sets that they have. Maybe they're taking classes right now. They're working towards a certification. Highlight that on your LinkedIn, highlight that on your resume. Um, but again, I think it's going to be up to the individual company to think yeah. through where they're willing to hire from. You know, the certification thing is something that I'm hearing for the uh, second or third time in one of these conversations already. I recently was talking to a friend who unfortunately got laid off, but was super successful in getting a job that actually was like more senior and paid more within two weeks of being laid off. And he had like three more offers. So for him, the whole job search during the pandemic was actually even better than before the pandemic, which is very curious. But he also highlighted that, oh, you know, if you are working towards any certification, put it on your LinkedIn, put it on your resume, highlight. That was very interesting to me because I personally thought, you know, like no one cares cares about these like certifications things. But I'm hearing this from you, from like someone who's actually filtering people's resumes mm-hmm. that all highlight our certification. Can you speak about that a little more? Yeah, I think that, um, as I said, this is a really unique time in history where a lot of people are being let go from, from positions. And there's also simultaneously a ton of downtime. Um, you know, when you're job searching, some people might take time off to travel. They might yeah. take time to go visit family and friends. Um, I think it's super important during this time, whether you have a, a full-time job or not, yeah. to use this time wisely and try to focus on, um, you know, what's really important to you. What 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 skills do you want to learn during this um, this shutdown and while you're quarantined at home? If you're job searching and you're spending time building up skills and making yourself, you know, continuously valuable in a job market, I think that's going to be something that, um, you know, when you get on the phone with a hiring manager or a recruiter, they're going to be really impressed by hearing, oh my gosh, it's wonderful that you're taking this class on X, Y, or Z, or wow, I love that you use this time to take a master class, whether it's Mm -hmm. something you're passionate about Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, related directly to, you know, the job that you have, I would say show that you are, you know, you have a growth mindset, that you are a lifelong learner, Mm -hmm. um, and highlight that while you can. Speaking of learning and uh, skills, what are some trends that you're seeing that, you know, as a recruiter for, let's say, a technical role, you're like, oh, this person has, I don't know, like artificial intelligence on their resume, so that's really hot, like, I I want to pay more attention to them versus someone who doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't just, I'm not just talking about technical roles. Like if you have any insights for what is going on and what, it, what are the trends in the non-technical uh, functions as well, would love to hear your perspective on that. 
That's a great question. Um, I've most recently been working with engineering leadership positions um, and those skills are different than individual mm -hmm. contributors, for example. So we might be looking for, um, for an individual who can fit a very specific team. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm looking for an engineering manager candidate who not only has a mobile background, but has also helped build out a, a team yeah. um, who also has a, you know, generalist software engineering background that might yeah. be the, the targeted search that I'm looking for. Um, that's obviously going to differ for, for a, a sales role. Um, maybe somebody who is um, looking for a position right now and it is trying to jump into a new industry um, mm -hmm. or jump into a new a type of background. Um, it's going to depend on what that company is looking for. So I think Looking at job descriptions, um, thinking through, you know, what specific skills are they highlighting mm -hmm. and starting to tailor your resume and your conversations so to those um, will be helpful. Got it. Awesome. Well, Flo, thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you for joining and for being so insightful with, um, with all the questions that I asked you and with your answers and providing, I think, an amazing perspective with packed with ton of valuable information that I think was super useful for uh, the audience to hear. Great. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you everyone for all the questions. Nice to meet you all virtually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Have a great rest of the day. You Bye too. Guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you liked this episode, consider subscribing and sharing it with your friends and family. I really, really appreciate your support. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye for now.